brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. One of the most beloved films featuring drag queens of all time is Girls Will Be Girls, where three actresses at various stages on the Hollywood food chain navigate the minefield of love, aging, and ambition. The film features the raunchy ensemble of Coco Peru, Varla Jean Merman, and Evie Harris, all drag queens who had separate careers but were brought together like Charlie's Angels to create a dynamic comedy trifecta. The entire project was a way for openly gay TV writer Richard Day and his friend Jack Plotnick to vent their frustrations as gay men working in Hollywood. Although Girls Will Be Girls was a hit with critics and audiences, the making of a sequel was cost prohibitive. Now, thanks to digital video cameras and fundraising tools like Kickstarter, fans raise the funds needed to create the apocalyptic sequel coming out next year. Girls Will Be Girls 2012. Today, we are joined by Jack Plotnick, the man behind Evie Harris, sharing with us the anguished journey of actors in Hollywood trying to find meaning in their lives and the origins of Evie Harris, a washed-up alcoholic, aging C-list actress. Plus, what Coco Peru and Varley Jean Merman have to say about their co-star when she's not around. How being a sloppy drag queen got him working with Sir Ian McKellen on the Oscar-nominated film Gods and Monsters. Rediscovering your love for acting and auditioning. And daily affirmations actors and trans folks can say to find the joy and purpose in life. I'm Fausto Fernos. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Before we begin, let's listen to Jack Plotnick in his first appearance as Evie Harris, the washed-up actress in Shining Star, a short film that inspired the 2003 comedy hit Girls Will Be Girls. In this clip, Evie Harris walks around the streets of Hollywood reminiscing about her relationships with celebrities over the stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Is this... I know it! I remember it's a coin. It was on a corner. You girls seen my star? Danny Kane. You know, a lot of people, they become big stars and all of a sudden they're afraid to ask you to shit on them. But Danny stayed real. Oh, Gloria Swanson. You know, she was so nurturing. She gave me money for my very first abortion. But Evie, you're the spokesperson for Ventura Right to Life. Oh, Dennis, please. I'm just doing that for the money. If I have one more abortion, I get my next one free. I've had more children pulled out of me than a burning orphanage. Oh, that reminds me of one of my old medleys. I believe the children are future. Teach them well and careful what you say. Children will lose Thank you. Hello? Hi, is this Jack Plotnick? Yes, hi. Hi, Jack. This is Fausto Fernos. And Mark Fillion from Feast of Fun. How are you today? I'm terrific. It's great to hear it from you guys. <laughs> uh, you know, talking to you on the phone, I'm instantly taken away to your alter ego, Evie Harris. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that my voice is a little different than hers, but you know what? <laughs> Maybe it isn't. Hey. Are we, uh, 
Are we uh, rolling? Are we on the air? We are uh, not live, but we are taping this in sequential time, unedited for an audience's delight. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> so you've been auditioning all day long, trying to uh, get roles in Hollywood. Uh, Desperately but- trying to get money to buy food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but <so> three, hungry. <laughs> three auditions in one day, though. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, that is a lot, and especially when they're on complete opposite sides of Los Angeles. And um, but uh, it's it's not the norm. But today, sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. I'm just glad you're getting some work. I got to tell you, Jack. Of we've interviewed pretty much every single famous drag queen that's still alive in this world, mm-hmm. and time and time, audiences turn around and say, "You have to get Evie Harris on Feast of Fun because she is my favorite drag queen." And gay men just adore you. Oh, oh, that's so cool to hear. I mean, the thing is, I'm like uh, Coco and Varla. I don't tour with a show. I don't have a show. I got a, I got a good sharp ten minutes though of material, but I can only do it at Christmas time. But the point is, <laughs> so I don't get to go out and meet my and meet the people who like Evie because I am not. I don't have an act. I got to get an act. Well, let me tell you, we just saw Carrie Fisher last night, and if she can get an act together, <laughs> you can get an act together. That's a very good point. <laughs> what I mean, what is the origins? Because you, you, you're one of the the only drag queens that I know of that, outside of your drag character, you are a hard-working actor in Hollywood, and you've had all these wonderful roles playing opposite Jane Lynch and Rosie O'Donnell and Sir Ian McKellen and Gods and Monsters. I feel like this interview is a little bit like Gods and Monsters. <laughs> you can tell that I'm naked right now? No, do you, do you want us to take our clothes off every time we ask you a question? I'm or? begging you. Are you kidding? I'm already <laughs> naked. Me too. <laughs> but I mean, so so how did Evie Harris come to be? Because I, I have a theory here, and I want to see if this is true, is that because you've worked with so many people in the in the film and television industry that you start building up some um, frustration, (laughs) resentment towards people, and you channel that into Evie's character. Well, uh, absolutely, she's got... um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely using a lot of myself with Evie, the sides of myself that are ugly and uh, (laughs) lonely and sad and yet constantly pretending to be on top of the world and uh, (laughs) uh, needing, needing the spotlight. And when at the same time, uh, well, anyway, the point is, uh, but no, she came to be uh, a long time ago when I was doing sketch comedy in New York City with my, my friend and comedy partner, Seth Rudetsky. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just sort of this old lady character I was doing uh, as well. I was doing a lot of characters in that show, but she was just this old lady character, and uh, I didn't think much of it. And then when I moved out to L.A., she started to get fleshed out. A friend asked me to, do, to perform at his birthday party. Uh, and so I just sort of took that old lady character, and she started to uh, get more specifics at that party. And um, it's funny because actually the director of, of Gods and Monsters, Bill Condon, was at that birthday party, and that's the reason why I got uh, the role in that movie. Cause really? He had just seen me running around the stage, falling downstairs in, in this in silly, you know, just sort of impromptu show we put up for a birthday. But anyway... Um, so she's also kind of like, she, if you want to know sort of her very beginning... Seth and I were obsessed with this uh, infomercial lady uh, at the time who did an infomercial for a blender. And she was just so on, and she had the same short blonde hair, and as everything she tasted, she was like, she was like, oh, that's good, that's good. <laughs> she had a lot of excitement about the blender and the it, shake. And it was like um, cabbage juice and apples. Oh, my God, yeah. She'd be like, oh, I taste the cayenne. I taste it. <laughs> um, so, 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 how do I recognize that name, Seth? Is that, does he do things on YouTube? Is he the guy that talks about Broadway shows on YouTube? Yes, he's yes. totally Mr. Broadway, yeah. Oh, my God, he's brilliant. Yes, he, uh, yeah, we're writing a musical right now. I, uh, Anyway, it's very exciting, but I'll, I don't, I'm talking about Evie. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, so she started to get fleshed out in L.A., and then I met Coco. I was a big fan of Coco's shows, and um, there was, there's a, a, a drag pageant, a yearly drag pageant in L.A., and um, they sort of threw uh, – somebody came up with the idea. My friend Dennis Hensley, who I was sort of uh, writing stuff for Evie with at the time – came up with the idea of putting Evie and Coco together as hosts for this drag pageant. We did it, I think, three or four years in a row. And we had such a blast that um, I went to... One night I was with Richard Day, uh, the writer, director of Girls Will Be Girls. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, Richard, Evie and Coco should have, should have like a, a movie or a TV show or something. He was like, no, you know what? 
Evie Coco and Barla should. <laughs> and it was Richard who kind of saw how he could take these three characters that already existed, and if you put them together, they'd kind of make this sort of, you know, how Golden Girls works. It's like mm-hmm. when you get the three opposites all together, they just sort of they work off each other, and there's this electricity between them. And he, and so that was totally Richard's idea. And then uh, he wrote Girls Be Girls. But I think he was... I think the reason why he came, why he wanted to be involved in in Evie and Coco uh, and Barla was that Dennis Hensley and I had done, and you can watch this on the internet. We had done a. Have you ever seen the? It's like a fifteen minute short called Sure Have Shining Star. Yeah, you're searching for your yeah. star on the Walk of Fame, and so we get to see how gritty Hollywood is <laughs> by seeing your, des- your character's desperation and trying to make meaning of her life in a lot of ways. Wow. I just thought it was a bunch of dirty jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there's a Thank certain you. attraction and humanity to that to that video, and it be, we'll put up a link to it. And that's kind of what cemented you in a lot of audiences' minds. Your oh, wow. character, God, as, I would love to think that a lot of people saw it because I'm so proud of that. I mean, it went to oh, film yeah. festivals that year, but I did I didn't know a lot of people had seen it. But um, yeah, I, th- I appreciate you you mentioning that because I do think that the video has a lot of heart, and you kind of get to see the the true sadness underneath Evie's. Uh, sort of dirty stories and and anyway it's a sweet video but um but jack isn't isn't that a, a the jokes for us no but um, uh, but isn't that like the the appeal and the genesis of evie harris is that for a lot of working actors there is this sense of frustration is like am i going to be recognized for my work am i going to have meaning in my life will i get my star on the walk of fame <laughs> yeah i mean absolutely i mean it's something that that we all, all that all actors in LA think about, and you know the way I approach. See, I don't really even call it drag because to me it's just uh, it's just one of the it's like just playing a character. And the way I tend to approach characters is I'm always uh, I'm always you know interested in what's going on underneath and what what drives them. But uh, about Shining Star was that we we reached out to Richard and asked him if he wanted to write some some jokes because we needed lots of jokes because every every star Evie passes she's got some story about that celebrity she had a slept with them or had a fight with them or whatever <laughs> and so Richard just I mean in one night wrote pages and pages of jokes for us and uh, I think that through Evie he kind of discovered a mouthpiece for his particularly offensive and sort of vitriolic <laughs> sense of humor, which Richard's like an Emmy Award-winning writer, but he's never had a chance to write his sense of humor because he was always writing for, you know, TV shows on networks. So when I finally showed him Shining Star for the first time, he, he was just sitting next to me and just giggling like a, like a schoolboy because he was just sort of, he, he kind of turned all red and got all giggly. He was like, he couldn't believe that, you know... It was just sort of, he was so tickled by getting to find a character that could say the things he thinks. He's got a very dark sense of humor. Was that movie made sort of as a present to Richard Day? Uh, What, Shining Star? Yeah. No, I mean, the thing was, Richard had never written for Evie, had never, had didn't really work with Evie at all. We were just, we just needed more jokes, and so I had asked him to do some. That movie was done just as a desire to to perform i had been uh, my career was really going well but uh, uh for a while i did the series action on on fox it lasted 12 episodes and then the work kind of dried up for me for a while, for about a, a little less than a year and i started to get a little depressed so evie really the birth of evie i guess getting serious about doing evie at these benefits and such came out of a desire for me to get back to what tickled me and not worry about trying to play the, the Hollywood game and do the right things to get the right roles. I kind of found that I got depressed by doing that. So I think throwing a wig on was kind of me returning to what I was, was tickled by. I think that's a, that's a secret of being a great artist is to never forget that aspect of your work. Absolutely. Because yeah. you, you actually teach um, uh, and you do acting workshops for people who want to sort of find the joy in their craft once again. Yeah, that that's that's my hobby, and I'm really passionate about it, and uh, it's just kind of my way of giving back. Yeah, I have a website, jackplotnick.com, where you can read a free a free online book called New Thoughts for Actors, and I teach tw- twice a week, and I, I teach in New York and L.A., and I do these, these charity lectures to raise money for the Gay and Lesbian Center here in L.A. I do those monthly. It's just, it's pure heaven for me to help actors, because they're, I think they're just so preyed upon by teachers some teachers in L.A. because, oh, my God, the stories <laughs> I hear, you, you wouldn't believe. I mean, you have testimonials here from Andrea Martin, who's a, a B- Jerry Stiller, 
Alec uh, Mappa. And Zachary Quinto, st- mm. uh, you know, <laughs> Spock, the new Spock. I mean, this is really remarkable. Oh, thank you. Well, I think that wh- what I do is pe- other people really aren't doing it, which is, well, you know, I, I, I got a lot of, went through a lot of self-help journey for myself, and what I found I was doing, all, like for 10 years that I was reading these self-help books and studying Marion Williamson and Louise L. Hay was that I was applying it to my art without realizing it. And suddenly I realized I had something that a lot of artists could benefit from, which was a healthy, loving way to do your art that's not fear-based or result-oriented, that actually books a lot more work. And I have uh, these things I call affirmations you can say to yourself that actors say, like, you know, I never, uh, Sutton Foster, I, n- I didn't know who, her, but she came across my, my affirmations on my website and said they changed everything. And she says she doesn't do a show without them on her, her makeup mirror. So it's kind of a way to help actors to find the joy again. And I think that's what's sorely lacking in a lot of the classes in L.A. Well, one of the, the things that we always hear actors being told here in Chicago at, at the acting schools is who you are is good enough. The, 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 we call it the tranny mantra because a lot of <laughs> transgender people are always like, if I get a boob job, if I get my you know, lips plumped or something, yeah. then I'll be happy. This will happen. Then, uh, yeah. as a consequence, I'll have happiness. But I can't have happiness until that happens. And then you can't be in the moment and actually enjoy yourself and enjoy the work because you're always there's something in the future waiting for you. But your 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 sense of self, your your sense of completion, isn't here right now. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that this is present in Chicago class? Oh, a lot of acting well, actors. That, that yeah. mantra. That they one. love saying that mantra. Uh, we hear it all the time. Transgender people say that a lot. And actors say a lot. <laughs> so it's a weird little nexus, a crossover there. I'm, I'm curious. Fantastic for Chicago. I heard a lot of transgendered women are, are keeping their, aren't getting a penis and just keeping their vagina. That's, that's, a, that's the uh, little dark, or not so little, dark secret of uh, transgendered celebrities is that a lot of male to female um, people don't actually get vaginoplasties. And so, yes, yeah, so everybody's keeping their downstairs junk. Yeah. Just sort of changing the upstairs stuff. I love that. <laughs> I think it's you know. Listen, where there's a will, there's a way. We have a friend who just got a, 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 his downstairs done. Yeah, but is keeping the upstairs male. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> you heard it. <laughs> he's turning that thing inside out, but he's but he's not going to get boobs put in. He's he presents as a male, but he has a vagina. I think that he, you know, we're all, like you know how uh, I think he was probably born a flat-chested woman inside. Well, you know, he looks like Jesus with a beard. With a beard uh, on the upstairs or downstairs? Upstairs. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if Jesus Christ Superstar mm-hmm. had a vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he may have. They don't. You know, it's really not. They don't get specific about what was going on between his legs mm. and the paintings. He's always wearing a loincloth. So. Jack, Jack, what are some of those uh, affirmations that you actually give to your your very famous acting students and friends? <laughs> I'm not telling. No. Um. You know, the trick to affirmations is. I don't think affirmations work as well if it's kind of a lie you're telling yourself. So, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't do a lot to walk around saying, I am be- a rich, successful actor, because it's sort of like, well, if a part of you doesn't find that true, it's mm-hmm. not going to have a lot of power. So, for instance, uh, an affirmation for me would be, I release and destroy my need to get this job, or I release and destroy my need to impress these people. You know, as a matter of fact, I have permission to hate them, so fuck them. You know, stuff like that, because uh, what I've found is when you release your need for something, that is how to get it. So, for instance, if you're, you know, if you're anxious around people, you could just say, I release and destroy my need to impress them. And then the need to impress them goes away, that pressure, and then you start to enjoy yourself and have a good time, and then you impress them. You because see how I, it works? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I also tell people, it's like, look, these people are spending thousands and millions of dollars on this project, and... As wonderful and charismatic and beautiful and lovely you are as a performer, you may not be the right person for the job, and you don't know the information that they're bringing to that audition. So really, it's like, you know, I always tell people, if you, if you ever want to be happy at an audition, get on the other side of the table and, that, and then start suffering financially and emotionally when you hired the wrong actor for a job. Uh-huh. And this, people say, helps. <laughs> well, that's what we tell people when Empathy. we say, no, you can't come on the show. I'm sorry. It's not the right fit. <laughs> no, I understand. I mean, people tell me when they watch, when they're like a reader for an audition and they watch the actors come and go, they, it really helps them to realize that everybody can be good. And it doesn't mean if, that if you didn't get the job, you were bad. Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. Is empathy at the core of not just what being a good actor is about, but also enjoying it? Well, uh, empathy? Yeah. Well, well um, uh, I use empathy in a very different way in my workshops. Sure. But uh, is the core of my workshop is twofold. Number one, half of what I do in my workshop could benefit any, any person because it's about uh, learning to control your thoughts, uh, learning to let go of anxiety so that you can play joyfully. And then uh, the other half is, you know, just sort of my healthy way to teach acting. So the key here is to stop worrying, what if they don't like me? What if they think... I'm terrible, and my career is over. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the, the, the best way to describe it is we, we get the jobs we don't need. I mean, everybody goes, yeah, that's true. You get the job you don't need. And so I teach people how not to need the job. <laughs> Hmm. That's interesting. That is interesting. I don't. We've always, we think a lot about auditions because early on in our podcast we had Terry Gar on the show and she said the job of, of an actor is just to audition. And then we're also a big fan as talk show host of, of Barbara Walters and her latest book was called Audition. Barbara Walters wrote a book called Audition. Audition because she said every job I have ever taken for I had to audition for. And in a sense, like right now, this conversation that you and I are, the three of us are having, we're sort of trying to... I really think it's probably just mostly me and you. Mark isn't really chiming in too much. (laughs) I'm letting things, I'm letting it go. I'm there. I'm I'm the ballast. Go ahead, sorry. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. But in a sense, we're connecting because of, of some mysterious need for us to come together as individuals and create some documentation for an audience to observe. Mm-hmm. And so, in in a sense, we're auditioning for each other right now as we speak. This is very meta. This conversation. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Let's let's go back to uh, talking about Evie Harris and the genesis of Girls Will Be Girls. the oh, okay. The writer strike happened. The what? Huh? The writer strike. It was. I think it was in two thousand and five. And and I I heard from some interviews with Richard Day that part of the reason that you guys were able to do this project is because everybody in Hollywood was suddenly didn't have anything to do. And they, mm-hmm. so they said, so you guys said, Hey, let's make a movie. Here's, I wrote this thing. Girls will be girls. It's not going to cost anything. <laughs> and then later on he realized it was $400,000 of his own life savings. Yeah. At the time he had it though. <laughs> he wow. had just come off of, you know, running spin city and this and that. So he had the money at the time, but I don't think he expected he was going to spend that much. I think the, I think what happened was though that the writer it was during the writer's strike that we made the short films yeah, that you can find on the internet, okay. which were kind of like sequels to the the original movie Girls Will Be Girls. Okay. The original movie Girls Will Be Girls came out of the hell did he do that movie for? Um, I think Richard, you know, he'd spent so many years writing on TV shows and he wanted to get his vision out there. And he, I think he's an amazing film director, and I, I wish that people would hire him to make movies, but I it. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but maybe after this one. So, but Girls Be Girls, the movie came just from artists Richard and I, and just really wanting to to to, to make a gosh, I don't know, to make a mark. I don't, that doesn't sound right. To to just do to get our vision on film instead of you know because we had we'd both been working for other people for mm-hmm. so many years, and we wanted to do what we wanted to do, you know. But this was about, like, friends coming together and sort of having a good time. Oh, my God, completely. There was, yeah, it was so, it was so, you know, we, we filmed almost the whole movie in his house, you know. So that is his house where we see the, the, uh, everything unfold? That is Richard Day's house? Yeah, and we destroyed it. I mean, we painted <laughs> every wall, and his bedroom was a hospital. It was a restaurant. It was Evie's bedroom. It was, it was like everything 
happened in that house, and then we had a couple shots where we, we went out to a neighbor's house and did some stuff on the street illegally, I'm sure. But, um, well, because when yeah. you shoot out a, you know, a film out of your own home, a lot of the neighbors are going to think you're doing a porn most of the time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> With very yeah, yeah, ugly yeah. women. <laughs> Why do you know so much about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so, so, uh, so he actually turned... Uh-huh. Done, and and sure. Sundance had uh, you know, given us a slot. It was like we were there just like we couldn't believe it because it was just something we just did for the heck of it. You know, we, it was... It really, we just lucked out, and, and we're thrilled that people, so many people got it and, and, and loved it. And it's, I've always been amazed at the people I meet that, that know it. Like Re- Rebecca Romaine Stamus I worked with on the show Eastwick, and she was like, she said, I, 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 I'm not friends with someone until I show them the movie and they laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's always really wonderful oh. when somebody, uh, when I hear that, that somebody loves the movie, because, you know, and I'm... Yeah, no, it, a lot of people consider it one of the greatest films ever. What? Yeah, I mean, I re- I've been reading blogs preparing for this interview, and it's like, time and time again, if someone's going to be writing about girls will be girls, they say... And to me, it's it's not just about the, the, the wonderful acting that the three of you guys do, the fact that you're so lost inside these characters, the funny, funny, razor-sharp... Um, uh, writing and the and the and the beats the 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 just the flow of of acting, but it's also the cinematography and the sound is so luscious. Oh wow, thank you. You know, and as a person that makes, I mean, we make st- stuff like this. To, I'm always like, if our videos could be as good as Girls Will Be Girls, I mean, we're you know who? I mean, really, it's a really phenomenal thing. So Richard Day turned to the TV production company that he was working for and pitched it as a Golden Girls sort of uh, sequel or something. And and then the head of television said to him, why not just do a show about cannibals? Right. If we go with that pitch, they'll think we've lost our minds. <laughs> yeah, that was Logo. That was Logo. Yeah. And now with the success of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, talk, you know, a little bit ahead of his time, I guess, Richard was, because at the, at the time Logo just was run by people who didn't like drag, didn't like the concept of it, thought it was disgusting, and really just wanted to have a lot of shows on the air that I guess they felt would appeal to absolutely every single person on earth. <laughs> in the end, just in that case specific. Yawn, right? But uh, now, they're, now they're finally realizing, oh, gay men want to see men with their shirts off and they want to see drag queens? I didn't realize. So I think that's what happened was, uh, now I'm remembering is that we, he had wanted it to be a TV show and, and when he didn't get a bite from anybody, we just filmed it ourselves. And so part two, you've, after how many years later, you've filmed part two. I'm correctly old enough to play her now, right? <laughs> well, it's only been, set, what, six years, seven years? It's not too long. Yeah. And so... Uh, it's, it's been a decade yeah. <laughs> in the making. So what was that process like, like starting that whole thing? Because you guys came out and had a, uh, a fundraiser online on Kickstarter. And you guys what? raised that money. And what was it, two days or something like that? It, we, we were shocked at, at, at that we, we made the amount we made. I mean, when we put, you know, I think it, it was really just 20000 we were asking for. We, and we were just like, oh, God, we're never going to make this. And, and then all of a sudden it, went, it was up to thirty five, And, yeah, it, we were just, it, it just felt so good. And, um, I mean, every cent is in the movie. Like, there's, we, with that kind of money, all you can do really is just get the film and the actors in place. And there was no crew, zero crew. Mm-hmm. It was just Richard holding the camera. So, but the good news is nowadays, uh, with the new cameras and, and uh, yeah, a movie can look beautiful with, for no money. Right. But well, like we had, sure. we just sort of whoever happened to come and maybe volunteer for the day, that was the assistant director, or like that was the <laughs> that was the, the the guy who was doing our costumes and was helping out with that. He just became our sound guy. So this, I mean, this was nothing. The first girls, Richard had the money then to. Uh, we had a whole crew, like eight guys, I think, and this one, um, it was just literally just us. But it looks beautiful, and the script is so funny. And um, I, I just cannot wait. He's he's almost done editing it now. What happens in the in the sequel? I mean, so for people who are familiar with it, is is that um, Viola Jean Merman's character sort of comes in and is this ingenue who's who's uh, I guess uh, stealing your role, stealing your thunder, your your life force from you. <laughs> 
that's the first movie, right? Mm-hmm. The original movie, and then yeah. in the sequel, what happens? Because a lot well, of people don't I, I know. I don't know how much I can say. Cause I know. I, I'm sure I can let you know that in the movie, the movie begins now. Varla's quite a success. Yes, uh, and she's done a bunch of movies, and um, Evie is uh, Evie is pretending that she. I mean, because at the end of the first movie, Evie had a revelation and apologized and seemed to be a, a new woman. And that doesn't last too long in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, Evie's, Evie really... What happens is that Barla is going to be doing the sequel to Asteroid, which was, Evie, which was Evie's really her only big movie from the 70s. Um, so Barla's going to be playing Evie's role in the sequel. And um, Evie's going to be... You know how usually they bring the original person back to play like a waitress or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, just to do a cameo. So Evie's going to do a cameo, but she finds out that for this cameo, um, let's see, that the movie is being done on green screen, and that actually they're going to be sort of CGIing her to make her look younger. <laughs> and um, she suddenly realized, wait a minute, if I can, if I can look younger, I want the lead role. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think, I think I better stop there. I better stop there. So but, is uh, there actual CGI in this movie? Oh, my gosh. Okay, wait. You know, I, I, when I say that we didn't have a lot of money, that let me just tell you, this movie is going to look so good because of well for one thing I have a friend who who at the time had a uh, had a film studio and and um he just gave us uh, the studio for free so I mean we're not just shooting in Richard's house half this movie shot in front of a green screen at a at a movie studio and nowadays I mean Richard has learned so much about CGI this movie has so much CGI I mean this movie, god I don't want to give things away but you wouldn't I mean the the it's Hold on a second. There like, actually is CGI to make your character that you put on makeup to look older, mm-hmm. younger. <laughs> well, that I just did with tape, honestly. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, um, yeah, it used to be when I played young Evie, I just put a wig on, but now I've I just some tape. But anyway, the point is, no, lots of like, um, you know, there's these shots of, for instance, there's a... Uh, uh, Varla spends time at a cosmology cosmology center, this huge complex with these, uh, where you know, because she needs to learn how to be a scientist. And uh, I mean, we, the, you know, <laughs> you can now do with green screen. You can put people anywhere, and uh, it looks so real. And there's, uh, I mean, this movie is not it, sort of, kind of is uh, not only about the girls and their journey, but also about sort of the death of Hollywood. What Richard kind of feels is happening in Hollywood right now. What with uh, you know, uh, reality TV and mm-hmm. internet, and how sort of the old Hollywood is dying, and it's Richard's sort of take on that. But also, there's like, oh, I don't want to give things. Uh, it's like, it's not only about the end of Hollywood, but it's also about the end of the world. Ooh. I mean, you know, it's called Girls Because 2012. So <laughs> let me say, there's, yeah. there's a Mayan calendar involved somewhere. Yeah, there, I mean, there's some big shit that goes down in this movie, and so it's not not three three drag queens sitting on a couch uh, saying jokes i mean uh, richard was incredibly um what's that word where you i mean he this script is really it's an epic thing and it's a it's a, it's like gandhi but with drag queens <laughs> gandhi mixed with gone with the wind mixed with charles bush but um yeah so the thing is the thing the way richard has made this movie look for the money we had is is just a miracle and i'm really excited about it what kind now, of re- what kind of release are you guys hoping to get Oh, just a quick one with no. Um, <laughs> sorry, that got real sexy for me. Um, the, you know, I, I I would love if Sundance has us back again because it would just me. It would just be so cool. But um, it, you know, I, I'd I'd love it to be in theaters. But nowadays, you know, it, you don't really need that theatrical release mm. um, to to have it seen by a lot of people. But that would be my dream, would be to, yeah, have it play in theaters and last longer than the first movie did, which was one week. But hopefully now with more people knowing about the original, that they, you know, there's never an advertising budget when you have a, a small movie. Right. And so that was really the problem with the first movie, was nobody knew about it. But i got to tell you, every single person that is a fan and that's seen that movie absolutely adores it and is extremely enthusiastic. There's a public interest well, for that. if any of them are near that. the West Coast, in November we're doing a benefit screening of Girls Be Girls at a movie theater, and there's going to be like VIP tickets to have drinks with Coco and Evie before the movie, and uh, we're wow. just continuing to raise money to finish the film. 
So you guys are milking it for all its... <laughs> all you know, when you're you working can. outside the system, it's mm. like NPR. It's like, there's no, you know... Yeah, your listeners support, your audience supported content creation, and I think that's really where all this is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it'll be $20 tickets to see the film on a big screen again, and hopefully it'll be just a big, fat party. And So we're doing that in November, and if, if anybody wants to, to find out about stuff like that, they can follow Girls Be Girls on, on Tumblr. Or, or I think Facebook is a nice way to do it, too. And it Twitter is- as well. What's that? E- Evie Harris has her own Twitter account, which is pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. Those, th- that's Richard. But oh, yeah. Richard's writing your... <laughs> he's running your drag queen you know, account. I think anybody... You know, absolutely. He's, he, it's as much his baby as it is mine, and I love sharing her with him. So you're mm-hmm. kind of like those actors in Star Wars, like Evie Harris is owned by Richard Day. <laughs> no, no, she's mine. But I, he's fucking funny, so he can he can please Twitter as me all you want. What is your relationship with Richard Day? Because a lot when I, when I say Richard, very sexual Richard Day, it's like they all think of the talk show host from Bruno that interviewed Bruno with his black baby. But that's Richard Bay. Oh yes, no, no, Richard he's not Day the guy with the black baby. Yeah, <laughs> Richard Day is just one of my oldest friends in in Hollywood, and and. Um, uh, he's just a super fantastic guy, and uh, yeah, we're just just really good friends. Well, I wasn't asking if you guys were like lovers. Or I thought anything. you were wondering if we were fucking, and it's <laughs> not enough to make it worth mentioning, so I didn't. Well, you're surprisingly. <laughs> I got to tell you, Jack. It's like you know, when, in doing this research, I had no idea that what you you know, because you're you're also really well known for your for your roles in television and film, and like seeing you out of drag, it's like wow, this guy's like I. I mean, you really transform into Evie Harris, but you're oh, surprisingly you. oh, hot as a guy. I, you know, I became an actor to be a lot of different people, you know, so I, I, I hate those classes where people is like, learn, learn the one thing you can do that people will want to buy, and it's, I just never wanted to do that. I like to, I like to be different people, and so I love my career because I've just gotten to be so many different things. I've got a movie coming out next year where I play like, you know, I'm the lead of this movie, I've got a big bushy mustache, and... I played a womanizing doctor, a plastic surgeon and, and an NBC pilot this year. It's, it's just, I don't want to be one thing. I totally enjoyed watching your reel on YouTube. It was, it was so much fun. I was like, oh my God, that's him. That's him. That's the guy that runs into the wall. <laughs> and then you got one of the, the best roles in Hollywood opposite Rosie O'Donnell because she never got to speak. <laughs> exactly, yes. I'm just kidding. I love her. She's no, but it was on Nip Tuck. Her, her yeah, character had Rosie been. On, on Nip Tuck. It happened to it actually happened one of the writers of that show is that he was in the hospital and a doctor came in and gave him a a, a proct what is it called a anal a, exam an, anal uh, anus a, a exam butt or, fingering put a finger up there and and he left and he later the, the guy later found out that the guy wasn't a doctor no no way goes to hospitals and gets off on fingering people so they put it in the script and I got to play that guy which was a blast <laughs> I was I fingered Oliver Platt too. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I, I never knew why they didn't do a spinoff of that character for me. I just I <laughs> now be honest with me. When you're actually uh, filming that with Rosie, that she says, "I'm a method actor." <laughs> do you have to Luckily, think about no, that. No, I, I didn't. I did put my finger in her pussy, but that was during lunch. <laughs> uh, completely unrelated. What do you think about Rosie? Rosie's invaded Chicago. She's replaced Oprah in her own studios. Uh, they're going to be the, the new talk show is like premiering just in days from now on own. Oh, I love that. I just, I'm so happy that Les, that you know, Ellen and Rosie and that, that America's seeing, uh, it's just incredible for me. Yeah. Before Ellen and Rosie had their talk shows, uh, RuPaul had her talk show yeah, and people I know. They, yeah. that like crazy. We forget that happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. It, it, it's insane that, that, that was there and that I, I just, I love that, but you know, RuPaul was incredible because you just, everyone fell in love with him. It wasn't one, wasn't gays, just gays. It's just you, when you saw that video, a uh, supermodel and his smile, it was like this thousand watt smile. And you just, you just, ugh, what a great character RuPaul uh, is as a, as a, his drag persona, because she's so, you just love her. But is it, that's the, what's interesting about you guys, as opposed to say Lady Bunny or RuPaul, is that you're actually think of them as characters. Whereas I would say Lady Bunny and RuPaul wake up as Lady Bunny and RuPaul and never <laughs> go to bed if they're not themselves. You know, well, they're, it's a, they're 24 it's, it's, hours. It's, that. it's so, it's like a Kinsey scale. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Coco, 
Coco Peru, before Richard started writing for her her and sort of created this character that Coco plays in the Girls We Girls movies, Coco wasn't a woman. Coco Peru was the was the feminine side of Clinton Loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he would when he was dressed as Coco, he wasn't pretending. To- it's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over forty and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. To be a woman, he was was a man in drag. So whereas Varla and and me as well, we had... We had these characters that were uh, were supposed to be women. So it's all just different, different, uh, you know, on a, on a scale, I guess. But 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 what I love about uh, Clinton's Coco and and Varla Jean Merman is that they both approach the characters just so. Uh, they're just both such great actors. I mean, those guys are real actors, and they're not, you know, they're just the real thing, and they're just they're and they, you know. That's what they both said about you. Oh. <laughs> they said it was like it was like Jack Plotnick. I mean, they don't he, even refer to you as they refer to you as Evie. He actually works in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> he actually gets jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And the Coco we came up with this term called dragnesia. What's that? Which is when you hypnotize someone. Dragnosis. Dragnosis, I'm sorry. Dragnesia is a different thing, but dragnosis is when you hypnotize someone with your with your costume by repeating over and over again the type of behavior and thoughts you want to elicit from them. And so we were hanging out with Coco Peru up in the Sagatuck, which is the fire island of yep. the Midwest, and over and over and over Clinton kept She only saying, said it like seven times. Seven times in an hour. Yeah. And she yeah. kept saying, I'm a very nice person. People say, I'm a very nice person. The sound guy over there, he told me. He didn't expect it, but I'm a nice person. That's a good Coco impression. <laughs> and so now every time, we're like, the first thing we think of, anytime everybody mentions Coco, I'm like, she's a nice person. Yeah, you fell for it. I, listen, it's, it's, uh, it worked. It's in my mind. <laughs> I will never be able to say anything bad about her. Because she's a nice person. Okay. <laughs> so what? What's the dragnesia? Uh, diagnosis. 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 Yeah, but oh, dragnesia. Oh. Forgot what a bitch she is. <laughs> she was actually very nice, but no, she really was not. I mean, Clinton's a lovely person, yeah. and, and so is Jeffrey right. Robertson, uh, Varla Jean oh, Merman. Oh, yeah, I mean, both of them are just so you know? sweet and professional, and I think you know, for for Clinton, he created Coco so he could get out the anger that he does because he's not, you know. God, you tried growing up in Long Island, but uh, <laughs> so he created Coco, I think, as a way to say the things that he's not the type of person to say. Well, and certainly Evie Harris gets away with saying some pretty outrageous things. I mean, what is it? That my, the the people's favorite line is, "I've had more children yeah. pulled out of me than a burning orphanage." <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Well, There's a new one. Uh, Richard wrote. I don't think it's in the new movie where she says. Um, uh, she says, oh, please, I've had abortions so late in my pregnancy, they screamed, Mommy, no! <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> What's this new show you're writing with Seth? Oh, can I quickly just say that yeah. I have no idea how long you're going to talk to me, but oh. I want to say that, you know, we're doing these things called remote cameos for mm-hmm. the sequel of Girls Be Girls, and then you can learn about it on Tumblr where mm-hmm. we're asking our, our fans to film themselves, and we put it in the movie. So I just wanted to put that out there. It, it, you've got a, a, maybe a month left to do it. Oh, anyway. we can still be in your movie then. Explain yes. this to me. This is, a, this is, is this? really interesting because I thought it was all over. No, no, because he hasn't locked picture yet. People have a little, um, I don't know how much longer, maybe a, a month. I don't know. It's all, it's all on Tumblr. The idea is that Evie, oh gosh, can I say that? Evie has um, a sex tape. 
And um, <laughs> she, uh, what we're looking for is just people to be watch, you know, pretending they're watching this this internet video, and then they with interest, and then they get disgusted by it, and they puke. And you just film yourself doing that, and all the instructions are online. It's really easy, and so I think if you know any big fans out there want to be in the movie, you know. It's, no, so, as so an you actor. could like get like uh, you could get like uh, Peaches Christ or Lady Bunny to be in your movie just by having them film themselves with their own iPhone vomiting. Sure. Well, a- anybody, which happens I, I mean, all the I time, anyways. People who who love the movie doing it as, because as, I, I just think that's never been done to have fans be in the sequel. As an actor, I, can you give us any suggestions on how to vomit on cue? Well, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, I just I go for method, so whatever makes you feel queasy, eat copious amounts of it. No, you know what? Actually, Richard said just just duck out of frame. Like he doesn't want anyone to pretend to. He doesn't want to ever see the vomit. Oh, he doesn't. No. So that won't make it into the film. Did I depress you? No, you can't send us whatever you did last Saturday night. Because he doesn't want to see it. So it's not like if somebody's off camera pouring, you know. Cream of mushroom soup into the toilet or no. something. Sorry. Oh, that's oh. too bad. Oh, uh, I know. Well, we got some uh, questions and comments well, here we... from the listeners on Facebook. Oh. Uh, Stephen Paul song, uh, Evie Harris for president. Mm. The teabagging party needs you. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, Evie, I'm sure she's uh, had her share of teabaggins. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm sure hopefully she takes her dentures out before she gets going on that. Kyle Schellinger writes, I love Evie. So excited about the new movie, but hopefully we won't have to see her naked again. Hmm. <laughs> we'll see. This Terry. movie's pretty gross, pretty explicit, but I don't know. I don't think you're going to see her vagina again. Terry Andrews, I like Jack Plotnick very much in Gods and Monsters. He's quite a remarkable actor. Will Girls Be, be Girls 2 pick off where the first movie ended or is it a completely different storyline but with the same <laughs> like, cast? Like Girls Be Girls Meet the Werewolf? <laughs> so very <laughs> Wolfman and Frankenstein? No, yeah. it's nothing like that. It, it is a continuation of the yeah. story. Uh, I wouldn't say it takes place the next day. There, some time has passed. Wow. Yeah. And there's a new girl in the house. That's pretty exciting. Who's the new girl? Uh, Tom Lank, who was Andrew in the last three seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, plays the new girl. Tom and Lank. And he's amazing in it. Well, this is a, is this kind of like a, the way they brought Raven Simone into the last season of the Cosby Show? <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> You're just getting somebody younger and cuter so to get people watching. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, it really is a remarkable pleasure talking to you. Uh, oh, we well, look well. forward to the sequel to Girls Will Be Girls, and that's uh, definitely you can follow Girls Will Be Girls on Tumblr. Yes. And uh, and we're going to definitely uh, now. Is it better? If we, do we stand more chances of being longer vomiting on the movie if we dress up in drag or we are ourselves or what it, kind of you footage know, is I the think ideal? That Richard would love to to see people do it in drag, whether it's a woman in drag as a male or or, or men in drag as women. It, but you, whatever you send in, it, as long as it looks nice, I'm sure it'll make it in. Oh, honey, I will. I will rent a 35 millimeter film camera, do a film transfer. <laughs> any any high definition camera is fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the new iPhones, it's 1080 frames, uh, progressive frames, so you can shoot. We should have. God, we should have shot it with the iPhone. Well, I wasn't out yet. <laughs> what <were we> thinking? <laughs> Using a regular camera. You emailed us a, a disco remix or, or something of the Girls Will Be Girls theme. Yeah, a fan made that, and it's such a hoot. It's a disco remix along with his favorite quotes from the movie. It's really great. What's the name of the person? Blah, 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 huh? Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Well, we're going to play it at the end of the show so people can enjoy it. Oh, it's yeah, full and there's musical numbers in the sequel, too. I forgot about that. Oh, wow. Oh, my God, yeah. We went all out. Does each girl get a number? Um, or are you all together in one? Coco, uh, Coco and Evie both sing a song. I don't think Varla sings a song. Oh. She's not oh. as big of a star. Yeah, big is right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack, it's a, it's a it's a real pleasure talking to you. We wish you nothing but the best. Come back on the show when uh, Girls Will Be Girls hits the theaters. I definitely would love to. Thank you guys so much. It was so fun to talk to you. Right. Bye bye, Jack. Thank you. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye bye. Jack Plotnick lives in Los Angeles, California. You can follow uh, Richard Day. <laughs> 
on Twitter with Evie Harris. And but most importantly, you should follow them on Tumblr and learn all about the upcoming Girls Will Be Girls 2012. This time it's personal. <laughs> it's asteroidal. We want to know what you think, so please go to feastoffun.com and leave a comment for us. And if you like today's show so much, share it with your friends on your social network or Twitter account. It's just that easy. You can even post a comment using your Facebook account on the bottom of the page. Wow, because it actually works now. It works, baby. It does. It shows up. It's it's like, you know, it's like the, it has Terminator 2 technology behind <laughs> it. It's almost self-aware. Ooh, fuff. And next week on Feast of Fun, we're going to have some fantastic guests. Devin Green, the queen of YouTube. Cassandra Fever, who is Elvira Peterson. Uh, Elvira. Uh, Cassandra Peterson, El- who does Elvira. Cassandra Fever I'm is so Cassandra confused. Peterson's <laughs> personal assistant, the woman who does Elvira. But her personal assistant also imitates her. So it's a weird, bizarre world kind of thing. It so is. So she's going to so- come on with costume ideas and makeup ideas for Halloween. Don't think of Cassandra Fever as a low-budget Elvira. Think of her as her clone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, Elvira sends out when it gets a little dangerous. So she, she's, you know, she's the expendable clone like, uh, like Princess Leia sends out. <laughs> or Queen, no, it was, it was Queen Amidala in the Star decoy. Wars yes. that sent out her decoys. Mm-hmm. And then later on we found out that Monique was sending out her own decoy. Right. Which wasn't very believable. And we might even have Princess Leia herself here next what? week. What? Get out of here. Carrie Fisher's in town for her show Wishful Drinking, so we're hoping to get her on the show to talk to her. We, we hung out with her last yeah. night, and she just like, she wouldn't she grab my arm you. and wouldn't let go of me. And I was like, oh my God, it's Princess Leia. You know how many geeky men in this mm-hmm. world have rubbed one out thinking about her? <laughs> I never did. <laughs> I didn't either, but maybe but Luke or Han Solo. I didn't, you know, I never like sexualized the Star Wars characters no. ever. No, no, not really. Either. I mean, Harrison Ford's so handsome. I mean, he, he I thought he was a big stud back when later on when he got in, involved in Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and he had a personal trainer and he flashed his muscular hairy pecs at the audience. And I was like, <clears throat> I was like, well, I think Indiana Jones just got a lot more interesting. <laughs> Da, 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 da. So we're finally going to get to ask her, and we're going to show her the footage where she uh, whip-tortured uh, Harrison Ford on the set of Indiana Jones. With Barbara Streisand. I dressed think- up as an acid and leather daddy. Mm-hmm. Very confusing. I don't know what was going on there, what kind of stuff George Lucas was into at the time, but... What kind of drugs they were on, we don't know. And, you know, and Carrie Fisher does not hold back. And Every time she goes on a talk show, she makes national news. <laughs> she does. She, she, she's kinda, I think she likes to say but she's a very nice person, too, though. She is a very nice person. <laughs> I'm just glad. Wasn't that wonderful that he said we did a good Coco impersonation? We, well, you know what it is? Is that we were just impersonating that phrase over and over again. And that's how you learn how to do an accent. You say the same thing. Over, over and, and over, over again. again. And then the next thing you know, you're talking like that all the time. I'm Coco Peru. Although Coco Peru doesn't speak that well. <laughs> Not that low. Hi, everyone. It's me, Coco <laughs> Peru. What, what, another interesting thing uh, that we didn't get to bring up in the interview is that Jack Plotnick's brother, who's uh, gay, David Plotnick, uh, I've known in Chicago for years. It's yeah, a you small showed me a world. picture of him, and you're like, I've known him. you know him. You're telling me I know him. I'm like, I do not know him. Well, I met him when he was involved uh, as a volunteer with the uh, Gay Film Festival. Ah, and so it, you know, I I just would chat him in the bars, and we knew of each other. We weren't like friends or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, so I was like, oh look, what a small little world. Did you ever sleep with him? I didn't, but everybody at that time period, everybody else did. Everybody wanted to sleep with him because they they thought he was very attractive, uh-huh. and they couldn't place. He, for some reason, they couldn't place where he was from, mm-hmm. and so they were all going, it's like, he must be from Australia. Isn't that weird? <laughs> People are like, I love how Australia. your memory works. The guy's probably like, I've never been to Chicago ever. That's the strangest <laughs> thing. Hmm. I guess you have a doppelganger out there. Yeah, or somebody looks exactly like your brother, mm-hmm. David Plotnick, so. Wow. Well. That's all we have for you today. We thank you so much for listening and your support. We're going to leave you here with the remix of Girls Will Be Girls, the theme song that... Done by blah, blah, blah. Done by blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Press play! Girls will be girls.
insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 